I love New Year's. I love the new beginnings. January 1st brings. I love, I don't make resolutions. I make goals. There's too many negative things about the word resolution. So I just make goals instead. But there's, I love new beginnings. I love new mornings. I love new days. I love new months, years, seasons. I love birthdays. I love weddings. I love what new beginnings bring. Am I alone in that? Is there anybody else that just loves a new day? Apparently I'm alone or y'all are asleep. One of the two things. Either way, I'm okay with it. So I love new opportunities, new jobs. There's something fun about starting a new job, a new project at school. I, like, I loved, this is, this is a, a geekiness of myself. I loved college when a new semester came and I got a new journal or not, you know, a calendar and I sat down with all the syllabus syllabi, however you say it, and I went through and put all the dates of all the different projects due into the calendar, because there's just something fun and I love in me about a new beginning. And I think that's from God. If you read his word, God is about new beginnings, isn't he? He's the one that created new years, new days, new seasons, right? He's, I mean, when he introduces himself to humanity, what does he say? It's all about creation. It's all about the things. Thank you, sir. It's all about the things that he made. It introduces who he is and who he is as a creator of new things, taking something that wasn't there and creating something new. And I believe it is in the DNA of who we are to need new beginnings. We need a new day sometimes. Lamentation says God's mercies are new every day. I think he knew we needed new beginnings. We needed new days. We needed new opportunities because we screw the old ones up. We just do, if you're anything like me. So I love the new opportunities that a new year brings. So as we approach 2020, wow, it's 20 years ago of Y2K. That's crazy. So as we approach 2020, I wanted to give you just five things to approaching a new year. Five things that I I encourage you to do between now and the end of the year, maybe the first week of the new year. Take some time out and do these five things. And so this is going to be a shorter, hopefully shorter, and just kind of a different message. Because I want to challenge you to not waste an opportunity. You know, Nick Saban a few years ago for his team said, never waste a failure, right? Let's not waste a new opportunity that we have in getting a reset in our lives come January 1st, 2020. So let's not waste that opportunity. So we're going to take some time today and just look from a biblical perspective. What are some things we can do to have a reset on our minds, reset on our lives, and move forward in 2020 and have a greater year in 2020 than 2019? Is that okay with you? All right, so the first thing is this. If you're taking notes, before I even get to the first thing, If you're taking notes, at the very top of your page, I want you to draw an umbrella. Draw a big umbrella over the entire page. Big umbrella, wide umbrella. And within that umbrella, I want you to write the word intentional. I-N-T-E-N-T-I-O-N-A-L. Just so you know, I have to do that every week with my boys on Wednesday night. I-N-T-E-N-T-I-O-N-A-L. Okay, intentional. Everything that we have to, we're about to talk about will not happen if you are not intentional about it. These things don't just accidentally happen. There's something you have to choose to do, make happen in your life, and you have to do it intentionally. If you don't, you will not receive the rewards that they bring. Does that make sense? So everything we're talking about, it falls under the umbrella of being intentional. Okay? 
So the first thing is this, remember and reflect. Remember and reflect. If you read the Bible in Joshua chapter 4, as Joshua was entering the promised land that God directed him to do, he had, Moses had passed away, God had appointed Joshua the new head or the new leader of the people of Israel. And as he moved forward, they approached an obstacle of the Jordan River. And God stopped the flow of the river far up in, uh, in Canaan and allowed the Israelis, uh, Israelites to dr- walk across the Jordan River on dry land. How they did that is they put the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the presence of God, the priests, as soon as they, their feet touched the water, the water stopped flowing, it dried up, they walked out and stood in the middle of the Jordan River with the Ark of the Covenant. Why a million people passed by. How long did that take? And they're sitting here with the Ark of the Covenant. People worked so the people of Israel could have freedom. Don't think the freedom that you have in Christ came for free. People worked to help provide the freedom that you now receive, just so you know. Total side note. So anyways, one of the things that God told them to do in this story is that to bring 12 stones out of the middle of the river, the riverbed, and to set up a memorial, stones of remembrance, to God, so that when their kids passed by and looked at these stones, their adult parents could say, that is when and that is how God delivered us and brought us into the land of Israel. Does that make sense? So God himself said, you take stones, you set up this this, uh, remembrance, place of remembrance, so that when generations pass by, you can point to how God has brought you freedom. I believe at the end of every year and the beginning of every year, we need to take time to reflect and remember what God has done in our lives. And that is intentional. That's not just looking over the calendar and go, man, that was a fun day, that was a fun day, that was a fun day. We need to really take time. And I mean, man, I love journaling. Michelle and I have gotten into the routine every year. Well, for now it's every year. Um, At the end of every year, we get a hotel away. And we take that time to get out of the house, to reflect on the year. And one of the things I love to do is to sit down with my journal and I start writing out different things that God has done in our lives. And I challenge you to do that between now and Wednesday. Take time out to start writing a list of everything that God's done in your life and make it a memorial in your house. Uh, Several years ago, my mom, as a Christmas present, my mom's very creative in a mom sort of a way. So one of the things that she did, she gave us the little paper doilies and ribbon. And what she did is she gave us to and said, I want you to list different things that you're grateful for over the past year, the things that God has done, and then tie the ribbon together in a decoration. Whether it's something that little or it's something bigger, I challenge you to find some way to make a recognition in your life of what God has done in your life over the past 12 months. Maybe it's a salvation. Maybe you've come to Christ for the first time or reunited with Christ. Maybe it's a new job, financial miracles. Maybe your family's going to heaven. That's a big deal because you know why? Like Mark's story last week, God is at work in those times as he prepares us for those moments. And you need to recognize how God prepared you for that moment if you've lost loved ones. Um, How about freedom from an addiction? I mean, really, it's, it's you fill in the blank. What has God done in your life in 2019? Take some time to remember, reflect on that. All throughout the Old Testament, the people of Israel would constantly set up monuments to remind themselves and future generations what God has done. 
Your kids need to be able to look and say, Mom and Daddy, what is that? And say, that is what God did in my life in 2019. Your kids need to see that God is changing and making an impact in your life as well. Does that make sense? What does that do? That should push us into a place of thanksgiving. And don't just gloss over them. Take time to acknowledge them and take those things before God. Say, God, thank you for bringing me freedom from this addiction. Thank you for bringing me and reconnecting me with my son. Thank you for what you have done in my marriage. Thank you for providing this new house. Take time to physically and verbally thank God. Because that's who we're created to be. How many people come to us as pastors and go, well, what's God's will in my life? 1 Thessalonians 5.18, that's the first thing I tell them. I said, let's look at the word of God. What's 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says? It says this, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Pretty simple, isn't it? Are we living in a place of gratitude? That is the best way to change the funk that you are in is to start making a list of the things that you are grateful for. And so when you combine reflecting over 2019 and choosing intentionally to start writing out what you're grateful for and writing out those things that God has done. I mean, take a time to drive out in the middle of nowhere. There's plenty of places here in Alabama. Turn the keys off in the car, sit in your car, sit on the hood, and just verbalize all that God has done in your life and just thank him. Maybe it's a journal like me. Whatever it is, take time before Wednesday to verbally thank God for what he's done. If you can't find the time to do that, more than likely it's because our priorities are really messed up. Just so you know. Making friends. We need to live in thanksgiving, but also some of those things may be thankful for the bad stuff too. Because I'll tell you, God teaches us in bad circumstances who we need to be. He shows and highlights, hey, you're really not who you thought you were in these situations. So we really, including in that list, just to FYI, I would encourage you to find some rough times and rough patches in your life that you've experienced in 2019 and say, why am I thankful for that happening? What did I learn? What did God do in me? Does that make sense? So the next thing, how about is forgive? Forgive. First ourselves and then others. It is such an important part of a disciple of Jesus to live in a life of forgiveness. Why? Well, kind of, he's pretty clear in his word. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 14 and 15, if you forgive others when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others in their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. It's pretty clear. But at the same time, I also want you to understand, like, forgiveness brings freedom. Forgiveness brings freedom. Do you want to go into 2018 in bondage, yes or no? It's your choice. That's my son. Proud of him. But listen, I mean, in all seriousness, do we want to carry that baggage into 2019? You have three days before 2019 is over. You get to choose how you close it out. You can look at the other person or you can choose to take on and say, I'm going to forgive whether I feel it or not. Forgiveness is a choice, not a feeling, first of all. You can choose to forgive and let God deal with your emotions. But if you're not even unwilling to, that's when Matthew 6, 14 applies. Not the feelings, oh God, I'm still ticked off. Will you forgive? And I'm going to encourage you also forgive yourself. 
And we have a lot of broken and hurt people in our church. In other words, if you're sitting in a seat this morning, you're a broken and hurt person. We're standing up here. When we are hurt, when we are broken, it is very easy to live in the place of holding on to that brokenness and reminding ourselves why we can't do something, reminding ourselves of who we were, reminding ourselves why we can't do this or that. I'm telling you, 2020 at CLF is going to be a year of action. It's going to be a year of action. You're going to get more and more uncomfortable being a part of this church if you're not doing something for the kingdom of God. Just so you know. Giving you a warning before it even gets here. And that's, and that's not a, oh, well, I know what sermon series is coming. It t- no, I'm, I'm letting you know what the Spirit of God is stirring in the hearts of its leaders. This is a year to let's do it. Get to work. Get to action. You will not fulfill everything God has called you to be if you hold on to unforgiveness of yourself or of others. Allow, make a choice today, tomorrow, Tuesday, to say I'm done. God, I don't feel it. I don't even believe it. But I'm going to choose to forgive this person. I'm going to choose to forgive myself for the hurt and the pain that I've caused my kids and my family. It's your choice. But I'm just encouraging you. Choose to forgive. That works into repentance. Part of the prayer Jesus taught his disciples in the Lord's prayers, forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us, right? They work hand in hand. But I dare you, go home and, or wait till after church, Google the word repentance Bible verses, and then find out what you see. What I, what I found interesting about it is how few Bible verses were the hell and condemnation, repent or be cast out. Time and time again, God, it's like a loving person going, hang on a second, please do this so I can bring restoration. Please do this so I can bring salvation. Please do this so that I can help you. Time and time again, it's very interesting when you look up the word repentance, especially in the New Testament, how often it's associated with like a loving father just reaching down and going, I'm trying to help you, but you're not letting me. Would you please do this? Because repentance is letting go and turning your way, turning 180 degrees, going the opposite direction. So Acts, let's just read the Bible. Acts 3.19 says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. How many people would love a time of refreshing in 2020? 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us. He is the one that purifies us. We go in messed up, we go in screwed up, we repent, we take it before God, and he purifies us from all unrighteousness. Hebrews 12.1, and if there is a verse that God has placed in my heart for 2020, it is Hebrews 12.1. Memorize this, get this in your spirit, put this everywhere in front of you. Hebrews 12.1 says, therefore, since we are surrounded by great, such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off, say throw off. Throw off, cast off. It's like chunking the garbage out of the window. It's getting it gone. Cast off. Throw off everything that hinders us and the sin. Two things. There's stuff in your life that's not necessarily sin, but it's hindering you from doing what God has called you to do and be what God has called you to be. It doesn't have to be sin to be bad for you. Two, and sin. Some of us have sin that we have allowed to continue to remain in our life, whether it's pride, selfishness, or an addiction, or that relationship that is not right. 
We have things of sin in our life that we have allowed God to do, and this is the time to get a new beginning in your life by repenting of it from turning away, casting it out the window, and turning to God and running full steam ahead. This is the time. The new year is coming. A new opportunity, a new beginning is coming. Let 2019 die. Let the sin that you have been wallowing in week after week, day after day, die in 2019 so we can experience a new beginning in 2020. A time of refreshing, a time of joy. Does that make sense? So, that in Hebrews, what does he say? And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Press on. Press on. Eyes on the prize. Where's your focus? Where's your mentality? What is your life about? If you have your Bible open, turn to Philippians chapter 3 with me. This is a long passage. I'm going to read the majority of the... It's just so good. When I was reading, I'm like, okay, God, I guess this is all of it. So let's read with me. It should be up here as well, if you can read it. I'm going to start in verse 7. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. And this is Paul talking to believers, correct? A Christian church. He says, But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, from whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish, garbage, trash, useless. Rubbish. Y'all say rubbish. 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 I count them all rubbish so that I may gain Christ. Is that our attitude? Verse 9. And may be found in him not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death in order that I may attain the resurrection from the dead, eternal life in Christ Jesus. Verse 12. Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on, say press on, on. so that I may lay hold of that for which Christ also, uh, for also I was laid a hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, say one thing, Forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many are perfect, have this attitude. And if anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep living by the same standard to which we have attained. Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. Don't lose this. Don't, don't line off. Listen. For many walk of whom I often told you that now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, who end is in destruction, who God is their appetite, and who glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in America. No, our citizenship is in heaven, not in my last name of Kraft, not, not in this world, not in Alabama, not an Alabama fan, not in the United States. My citizenship is in heaven. That's where I belong now. 
For, my, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exhortation of the power that he has even subjected all things to himself. What is Paul saying? What is I'm pressing on because I'm not part of this world anymore? I have been made new in Christ. My citizenship is now in heaven, not here. I no longer live for this place. I don't even identify myself as here. He writes in Galatians, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God. That's who he was. That's what he's pressing on to. And I challenge you as you set goals for 2019 or 2020, when you look at what you want to accomplish, where do you look at what you want to go, what are you pressing towards? Are you pressing towards the comforts of this life offers you? Because you can and you're encouraged to in our culture. What's your life about? I'll tell you one of the most convicting things I've had in a while is driving towards Warrior by myself because I was sick the first day. So I drove by myself to Warrior to be with my grandparents on Christmas. And I went, God, we were given financial bonus for my work and every thought I wanted to do with that was all about myself and my family. My first thought was not, man, how can, what has God given me this for so that I can advance his kingdom? Everything was about what I wanted to do, what I wanted to buy what, in that moment. And he just challenged me, said, in putting this message together, he said, Brian, where is your focus in your life? Because when our focus is eternity, when we get in our heads, our citizenship is not here, we no longer make decisions purely based on what's best for our life now. We make decisions on, based on where our citizenship lies. Does that make any sense? It's hard to, it's, it's very counterculture. But what, is, what does Paul say? He said, count, I count it all loss. Everything that I have on this life, everything that I have now, I count it all rubbish, all garbage, all trash for what? That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death in order that what do I obtain? To the resurrection from the dead. I get eternal life with Christ Jesus. My singular focus, I forget what's behind, I press on what's toward the head for the single purpose of knowing Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, as we approach all of these other things, what is our life about? When you set goals, every year I set reading goals, why do I want to read so much? Is it so that I become smarter, so that I can be the yes man, who I can know all the answers when people ask? Where's the purpose about knowing Christ and becoming conformed to his image, knowing that my citizenship no longer is here? One of the thoughts I had, Micah, you guys can come up. I told you it'd be short. One of the thoughts I had driving through downtown Birmingham. Okay, back up. The first thought was we, uh, we went on a Widow's Link cruise with Widow's Link back in November. And... Uh, we went to New Orleans. We spent a day as a family in New Orleans. And if you've ever been into New Orleans, one of the things you'll notice is the homeless population. It is massive. 
I mean, it's everywhere. Jackson Square, I think, had more homeless people laying down on the grass than it had others viewing it. It's massive. It's everywhere. So as I was driving down through Birmingham uh, on my way to Warrior, I just I remember thinking of all the homeless people around Birmingham. And it, and it was Christmas Day. It was Christmas morning. And I literally thought, I said, God, as those people who have nothing... What is their view of Christmas? When somebody says Merry Christmas today, this morning, what do they think about? And I thought, if I were to go up to them and talk to them, what could I do to show them what Christmas is really about? And it's not just about presents. It's not just about all this stuff. And I I had a lot of different thoughts, but God is like, Brian... If you have an eternal focus, if when you allow the Holy Spirit to change your mind, how you spend your money will change. How you spend your time will change. How you spend your life will change. When you get an extra paycheck in a month, your thought process will change. When you read a book, your thought process will change. How is this helping me press on? Eyes on the prize to where I need to go. Part of that for me is a parenting. I need all the help I can get in that. Because that's part of who God has called me to be. It could be at your job. You need to be more Christ at your job. It could be in your family. It could be a spouse. Whatever, whatever God's called you to be. But when we have this eternal mindset in our entire lives, when we die to ourselves and focus our lives in on, I have a singular purpose, and that is eternity. What can I do? Think about the people you work for. If that, was your, if that, if that is our focus, how will our conversations change? Will every conversation be about weather and football and all these things that really don't matter? Or will our conversations change to what God's maybe doing in your life? What about that list of the things that God is, you're thankful for that God has done in your life, right? And I pray in my life, can I just talk about me for a second? In my life. I pray in 2020, I will be more focused on eternity than I was in 2019. Because my coworkers need me to be Jesus. My kids need me to be more like Jesus in how I parent them. Those ranger boys need to see Jesus more in me. And the only way I'm going to do that is if I keep my eyes locked in and press on towards the prize of knowing him and what we have in the resurrection. Does that make sense? So in your life, I challenge you. I challenge you. Take time between now and Wednesday. Remember, reflect. Take time to thank Him. Take time to forgive yourself and forgive others. Choose these things. Remember, intentionality. Take time to repent for those things that you know you're still holding on to. And take time to say, God, renew my mind purify my heart and help me focus in on what changes I need to make to be more intentional in my focus on eternity. So I pray in 2019 you have a new beginning. I do. You have a new beginning. What are you going to do with it, I should say? It's just another day. Yes, it is. And His mercies are new every morning. And I'm thankful for that. Are you going to take advantage of your new beginning? But I wanted to tell you this, and I had this on my heart from the very first thing when God put the words new beginning on my mind. 
the most important thing you can do is to make sure you go into 2020 with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. There's nothing you can do that matters more than dedicating your life to Christ Jesus. If you have not committed your life to Jesus, surrendered your sin, surrendered your control to Him, maybe today is the day you need a new beginning. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, if, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. New creation, new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, the new things have come. And I don't know where you're at this morning, but there's nothing you can do that would be more beneficial to you and matter more for eternity than surrendering your life to Jesus today. Don't wait till Wednesday. Don't wait till Tuesday. Do it today.